0: Welcome to On The Block with Richard Stone. Richard is a 40-something construction company owner based in the UK. His passions are technology, business automation, customer experience, and helping other small business owners using his own valuable life and business experience. This podcast will be a mixture of solo spots, casual conversation, as well as inspirational key people of influence from their respective fields. Make yourself comfortable and enjoy listening. Here is your host, Richard Stone.
1: So, good morning and welcome to Lorna from Leonard Business Services. Thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule to join us.
2: It's quite all
1: right. uh, Give us a little bit of a rundown of what LBS do and what your offering is and then we'll uh, we'll move into a few questions
2: okay um, so Leonard business services are an outsourced um, finance department for its customers um, we can provide services right from basic bookkeeping right up to board level um, if you like FD um, operations director support and um, most of the people that come to us generally just think that we're a firm of accountants for about the first week that they work with us and then they realize that it's so you know uh we actually become an integral part of your business um that we we get in and speak to everybody all the touch points you know it's not a remote thing um we check in all the time we have a lot of client contact and it we our job is really to make our customers be the best they can of themselves but then hook it back to the financial numbers that are always needed to be able to um make the decisions that let people grow and um do that
1: okay that's really interesting because i've actually i'm my out my business and um, we've got an outsourced finance department um and and i came under a, a quite intense criticism from some people for not sort of taking somebody on the books having them in the office and i was like but this then the benefit of doing this is massive and people People couldn't really see it. The people that are already doing it obviously can see it. But unless you're doing it, it's very difficult for people to see. But for me, I mean, I get I get literally probably 15, 20 contacts a day with the people that do what the people that provide the same service for us that you guys provide for your clients. And for, I I would never go back. I think it's the best thing we've ever done. Really, really good.
2: I'm glad to hear you say that, and that is what our customers say. Um, but it it they never really believe it um until they've actually uh, yeah. you know had it for themselves
1: <laughs> yeah i guess i suppose and, and it i suppose it's like anything isn't it when you hire a new person a new member of staff it's how are the people going to fit how are they going to work everybody's got different sort of personalities and stuff so but from that point of view so do you, what kind of behavioral changes is do you notice with clients when you sort of start to work with them over a longer period of time
2: um i think that uh, one of the strongest um behavioral changes that they stop worrying that they, uh, um, they trust us to look after the back office in terms of the finance things. So they trust us to alert them. If there is maybe a supplier that needs attention, or there's a customer who hasn't paid, you know, on their normal pattern, they trust us to, to flag those things. Um, and whereas before they're always like, overcompensating, you know, needing to know all the detail all the time, and therefore um, not using their time in the most effective effective way. Um, and I have a case study on, on our website which shows this in extreme detail. Um, I had a, a, a definitely talented business owner who was utterly brilliant at what he, he had learned over the years, but in the business owner job, he wasn't so experienced and therefore he was micromanaging everything um, and we came in and we we allowed him you know he had a parent company to report to and this was a really stressful thing for him to do every month and it exude so much of his time preparing for it and digesting and not not doing a very good job in it um, and within a fortnight of working with him, we were able to take all of the responsibility for that reporting, even joining the board meetings and presenting the finances. And he was able to then focus on what he does best, which was designing the offering and um, you know winning business. Uh, and we joined him when he needed a, a funding requirement of so, uh, over a hundred thousand pounds to basically stay in business. And within three months of doing that, he no longer needed that money. Um, And there was no injection from anywhere else. It was just allowing him to do his job and sell his product and bill it. So he traded out of that because he was able to focus on the selling.
1: Wow, what a brilliant success story. I only hope I can replicate that with myself. I'm sure I can. (laughs) That's really good, actually. So... so so it's not just about numbers, then, is it? This is more kind of about actually the coaching and actually almost like education, crossover into educating people that, that actually there is a better way of doing things.
2: Absolutely, you know, it's about flagging to them. So you know, when you're looking at a cash challenged business, um, that is not fundamentally broken here. You know, it's just yeah. you know um, to to give them permission to uh, to speak to their in their revenue and say. I ain't paying you for a little while. This is what we're going to do. It sounds really simple, but it's a weight lifted because everyone's like expecting their inland revenue to come and shut them down tomorrow. Yep. When in fact, for the most part, as long as you're sensible and you know you're honest, they will work with you. There is nothing for them to gain and to shut you down. No, exactly. So, you know, it, so that is educational. Um, also. You know the way to approach uh, long-standing uh, supplier debt. You know it's got a bit out of hand. How you break that down and still continue to be able to maintain your supply chain is also another one that is quite often something that we have to introduce. And
1: okay,
2: yeah, you just,
1: know, just building relationships with the people within the actual business. It's a, it's further, further oh, aspects of relationships out out quite far-reaching into their supply chain. By the sounds of it.
2: Absolutely, and their customers, you know, so if they've got customers who are, um, you know, habitually not paying them, then we help them with uh, strategies to deal with that. And sometimes we recommend they walk away because we lay out the fact that, you know, this one's not making any money, it's not paying you on time. If I told you that you were being the bank of this company, how would you feel about that? You know, and... uh, like I say, it's a bit of psychology getting them to think about um, situations in a slightly different way. And then all of a sudden they sort of, the penny drops and they think, wow, I ain't doing that again. Yep. Um, you know, so I go back to the, the the case study or the company that the case study is on. Um, I just recently, like in the last 48 hours, had a conversation with him where some people have been ringing and assuming that they can, Um, knock five percent off current contracts and he's like saying sorry no Mm. and then they're sort of saying well you'll lose work and he's like I don't care we Mm. do a good job that's how much it costs we don't load our prices that's it Mm. you know um, that he said I'd rather do a, a good job for less people and cut my cloth accordingly then take everything to build turnover. And if I could say that's a 360 degree pivot on thought process from 12 months ago, it's really great to hear that mm. sort
1: of stuff. That's a really good success story, isn't it? And I mean, I've just been on a coaching call this morning talking to somebody and that was, that was what we were talking about with them was actually, you know, is coronavirus and post-coronavirus, is it is it the death knell for businesses or actually is is it actually quite an opportunity and i think a lot of that does depend on mindset because there a a, this does seem to be this kind of culture of auto assumption that that i mean i work in construction so i'll talk about that sort of industry but and it's almost like a lot of the big tier one national main contractors are just writing to their supply chain saying we're we're just taking 15 percent discount no hold on a minute no and it's but but there seems to be a culture that people don't appreciate or are fearful to say no. And actually it's one of the most important lessons that you can ever learn in business is the power of no, because it's your business. It's your choice who you work for. You don't have to go and serve that client. And there actually is such a thing as a bad client.
2: Yeah, absolutely. 100%. And it's seeing the triggers of that, you know, and, uh, and the, client that I'm talking about is actually in your arena, you know, uh, just uh, not actually the construction, but a complimentary uh, mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. So it, that's exactly what happened to them. You know, a bigger their customer came and said, well, we're just taking it. He said, No, you're not. And um, they were threatened and he, he held far, fast. And I'm absolutely proud of him because you know that actually they don't need them to drop that. It's just... they're just taking the opportunity that hey let's see what we can squeeze out of it
1: it's opportunistic greed and it's disgusting and i hate it and i think one of the reasons i'm really (laughs) i'm not going to be careful not to go on a rant but what i would say is that one of the things that i think it's going to highlight particularly in construction is that and if you it also ties into health and safety in a massive way a lot of the big national contractors steadfastly refused to just shut their sites. They waited so far into this virus until they shut their project. And that wasn't because they didn't weren't aware of the health and safety risks. These firms have got some of the biggest health and safety teams in the country, if not the world. It was because they couldn't afford to have that period of time without any sales. Because yeah. their books are so, so fragile that every week that they extended that period of no sales value coming in, it made them more susceptible to either takeover or somebody trying to wind them up or whatever negative outcome that could be associated with that. And it's just, it's just wrong. So to then come out the back of it, and there's been a few examples where people have sent out letters to their supply chain saying, Oh, we want 15 percent discount. And then, then head office have sent another letter saying, Oh, sorry, that was an error. It was a site-based error. Really? No, it wasn't. the QS that was on that on site would not be writing in the language and the tone that that letter was written in. That's a very well crafted piece of English language. Don't tell me that's just a QS on site. That's. Yeah.
0: Well,
1: I'll I'll just feather my bonus here. Well, their so, they're, their clients not writing to them saying actually, we want money off your price because they've got a fixed price contract. So all they're doing is trying to just act to make their bit of the pie bigger, which is just it's just wrong. And all they're doing is bashing subbies for it.
2: Yeah. Yeah,
1: quite it's, agree. It's just it's horrible. So I mean, that's one of the things I enjoy about the coaching stuff is actually helping people to, to position themselves better, so that so that they don't have those conversations in the first place because they're not working for those kind of clients. But even if they are, they're in a better mindset and a better headspace to be able to sort of focus those challenges, focus on those challenges, and get a better outcome.
2: Yeah, definitely. definitely, definitely. Having that
1: kind of insight that you're you're able to provide your clients through really good quality quick quick to get together management information so people can make informed decisions because that's the key if if people have got a good quality suite of management information they know because you can tell them what work stream is producing what profit are they producing the profit that they thought they were going to get at the start because there's all sorts of technical software that you can use for tracking that kind of thing none of the days of just using excel spreadsheets anymore that's what helps people make the better, better, more informed decisions, and that adds money to their bottom line.
2: Absolutely, it gave him the confidence to say no. Yeah. Because he knew that underpinning that that um you know if he lost that work going forward, that there were actually, the downside of it wasn't anywhere near as bad, mm. as as it could be for maybe some other client who you know. Who, you know they're fair backwards you know yeah. and and therefore actually maybe a discussion to work together might have been appropriate but yeah. you know poor payers holding retentions all of these things that yep. none of the other customers did this customer was doing to them and then they wanted the discount so yes
1: that's there's some real big cultural flags there isn't there yeah massively yeah
2: definitely
1: going in the bad customer box yeah it is it is frustrating and it doesn't you know construction doesn't have to be that way i mean if you look at the good work they've done building these nightingale hospitals through collaborative working you know it is possible we can achieve this it doesn't have to be that way yeah it's it is it's extremely frustrating i think there's going to be some big lessons to be learned out of it i mean one of the things that i'm talking to a really good qs up in london about at the moment is this kind of they're looking at ways where they can actually bring in cash so that you don't the money doesn't actually get the money doesn't actually transfer to, through it through a structure of contractors. They get payment certificates that that pass down the line, and actually the payment, the actual bank transfers go from the from the developer actually down to the individual trade contractors. So that the cash stays within the project because that's another problem that quite often happens is that people will get paid money for a project. And whether you're a manufacturing business or you're in construction or whatever industry you might be in, and that money will land and it will be used to pay for something that's not associated with service that's been provided in line with the contract that that money's for. So the yeah. money just disappears out of the contract. And all of a sudden, somebody's left with a, a half-finished block of apartments or, or a warehouse or, you know, they might have an order for 100,000 saucepans or whatever the product, product is. And the money that they'd paid as, as interim payments has gone and they've got nowhere to go with it. So it does come all come back to having that really good quality management information.
2: That's right. It? Yeah, match, matching things with where they belong,
1: you know. Yeah. It's uh, And people say to me, oh, well, why do you need to bother doing CVRs and all your jobs? It's uh, You're quite a relatively small company. Right? I don't care. I'm just, I was a one man band last year and I was still doing it because I want to track my estimated value against actually where the project's at. Why would you? Totally.
2: It's, just it's a lot nonsense. easier to do it at the beginning yeah. than it is to try and impose it um so, uh, you know for for us um we've taken the decision to go for our iso 9001 accreditation now and some people look at me and go you're barking mad you're a small business why do you want to be doing that and i'm saying to myself "No." Uh, we need a set of um, guidelines to work with mm-hmm. um, I use the word guidelines very carefully because um, a quality management system can be perceived as a regimented set of rules yeah. it's not it's an organic mm-hmm. um, process you know that you update it to to the way that works for your business it yeah. doesn't drive you you drive it so exactly um, and i I've, I've personally found that an enlightening experience and would recommend it for everyone uh, it is possible to do as a micro business um, and it's not you know massively expensive and I've found that the benefits far outweigh the cost um, and it helps me again inform and support my customers so yep. it's yeah you know do it right at the beginning you're absolutely right you know
1: when it's something we looked at doing in year one and we just I just I didn't have time to do it so it's very firmly on my radar to do for this year. Um, and it's it's for a number of reasons, actually, which fit really well with where we're at in this conversation. But originally I was doing it because I was going to do it so that there were some accreditations we could get and some approved supply chains that we, wa- we kind of thought we wanted to be on. Um, but actually we've probably reframed our thoughts a little bit and we've decided we don't want to be on those supply chains. Um, but I've now got even more gusto to go forward and achieve the 9001 well accreditation, but for different reasons. And the different reasons are that, I no longer see it as just that tool in order to, I saw it as a key to open some doors. Whereas now I see it as actually being really fundamental for two reasons. One, because it will, it will mean that our processes are robust. They're defined, but two, but they're demonstrable. So as we grow and we scale, we've got a complete toolkit of SOPs to be able to articulate to new staff. This is how we do something. And that might be, how do you plan a project or how do you estimate and how do you tender a job or how do you measure your customer care with your clients or what do you do in the event of an incident on site? But the other, the other, and the, the, the big, really big, sexy thing that I was really excited about is that what it did is it gave me the opportunity to, to look at every single one of those boxes and say, is this adding value? What yeah. does this box in this process do to add value to the end result? And if it didn't, we got rid of it but from there then what we could also look at is does that need human intervention or can I we think. automate that point and that's where that was where my journey really into kind of like moving towards a zero solution started was because we didn't need i, mean, I think we had something like two and a half thousand line items in our books in year one which i did myself and i was it was an absolute chore every time the vat webinar the vat um came around it was like this is like two days of my time that I'm and I was it was all done in Excel I've got a really good spreadsheet um that was relatively straightforward I could do an output off the bank off of PayPal off of the builders builders merchant but it still took a lot of time and that's what started me on the journey of actually right, what can I automate and when I started looking at that then I was like okay well, well what other stuff goes with that and then one of the mastermind groups that I'm fortunate enough to be a part of over in Ireland um, there's some guys in there that work in the accountants industry and they're like, Well, oh, have have a look and see what else you could do. And all of a sudden, we were unpacking like the communication and creating Zap like using Zapier to make different bits of software linked to each other and yeah. all of a sudden, we're taking six human interactions out of the process just yeah. by spending two hours looking at it. Yeah. So anybody that's on the fence about getting ISO done, I would say get off the fence and find a consultant to do it. And if you want to know some names, then Either me or Lou, I'm sure would we'll be happy to make some recommendations.
2: Absolutely, absolutely, totally recommend it. It's it's um, a journey for the person, you know, business owner that's doing it. It really refreshes your mind. It opens your mind to what risks and opportunities that you have, mm. and um, you know, it's 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 really excellent. Couldn't recommend it enough.
1: Yeah. I was talking to someone about it the other day, actually, and we were stood in a builder's mansion and we were talking about it. So it was kind of a little bit sort of rough and ready conversation, if you like, but I'm sure you'll probably appreciate it. And he was he was struggling to understand it. And I said, well, I said, over there in the corner, you see the toilet that's locked. I said, so at one end of the spectrum, you've got a toilet. And at the other end of the spectrum, if you go really, really, really up the scale, you've got colonic irrigation. Doing ISO is like colonic irrigation because it cleanses all the crap out of your business because you have to absolutely look at every single bit all the way through, end to end. And when you do that, if you do it with an open mind and open eyes and actually do it but talk to someone else as you're going through it, they will question, do you need to do that? Okay, are you the best person to do that? What's the value of that task? Because the other thing that you need to look at is, how many of those tasks are kind of, and I can't remember where I read it, but it was in a book about business automation. Um, and I'll put the link in the show notes to if I can remember where it, who it was by. But about £10, £10 or $10 tasks. And how much, where is the, as a business owner, where is the best focus of your time? Because time's a limited resource. It's the only thing That's we true. can't buy more of. And for me, that was one of the other things that came out of it was actually the help in focusing my time and my energy into really, really important stuff. That we could change the shape and change the journey of the business, and that's why. You no, know, we're, we're what are we halfway in, or f- f- just at the end of our first quarter in year two of a startup business, and we've got more inquiries in a month than we had in the whole of 2019. And we had a really good first year. We had a stonking set of results. So I was over the moon. If I'd have said, if somebody would have said to me at the start of when we set the business up, would you accept that as an outcome for the end of the first year? I'd have bitten their hands off. <laughs> So it's been a really successful journey, but I think the whole business into business automation, getting good quality management information, make finding out what's out there that can help you as a small business, you know, that market is really saturated, but I mean, there's even software now that will give you, and you can go on there to look at reviews of software products. So before you commit to a purchase, you can go and research it and say, well, okay, so there's 200 reviews, which of those reviews fit my business? And what have they learned and what have they got from it? Because, you know, I mean, there's, I mean, I, I use Xero. I don't know what software, what software do some of your clients use?
2: Our um, customers predominantly use Xero. Um, right. We have a couple that use uh, Sage. Right. Um, I'm not a fan of Sage, but uh, you know, you can't just ask somebody to hook over all of their stuff that they've had for years and years and years, a drop of a hat. And it's hmm. not always the right solution, Zero, but, um yeah, for the most part, they're on zero with uh, lots of different um, applications that yeah. um, suit their particular industry.
1: Yeah, I mean we've got we've got zero. We also use Workflow Max. Uh, which yeah, is,
2: I haven't. I'm, I'm I'm going to make st- us uh, start on on the business, my business, with um, uh, Workflow Max um, product. So I'm interested to see how that's going to go. Um, one time, one thing at a time. We're using Trello at the moment. I love, I'm a massive
1: again. fan of Trello. I love it. Trello's awesome.
2: And, uh, uh, you know, anybody that follows me will see that I just had my mind totally blown by the Microsoft Insights. Um, I saw. Add-on. I want to talk to you like, about that. Whoa. I know it's a bit spooky, but actually... I don't care that's really helpful it's a,
1: it's a, exactly do you know what it, they're spooky and then they're spooky someone going creeping in your back garden's looking you're being is spooky but <laughs> and could microsoft seal your data anyway really it's not
2: and what it was just so, so, it was so it was so clever how it read the emails and and worked out that you know i'd said something like um okay you do this and i'll do that and it, it hooked it out as um not only to, it hooked it out as a potential task for me and had i done it yet and it also put, hooked it out as a potential follow-up that i might need to do with the person i'd asked to do something
1: wow that's, so i was
2: like oh my god that's amazing
1: <laughs> that's cool that's really clever and the thing with that is you could probably you could i'm sure there's a way you could link that to zapier so that that, that could send an automated email out So right hold on, Mr. Client, we had a conversation. You said you were going to send me a load of, I don't know, operational reports on progress on jobs so that I can do the management information. Have you sent them yet? So there's that, I mean, that whole world is just, that's like the world's biggest filing cabinet of opportunity that nobody's even unpacked to its full potential yet.
2: No, not at all. Um, it. I, I must admit, I'm a bit of a secret nerdy geek on that sort of stuff. I... <laughs> spend hours playing about and working out which ones are you know the right ones for us and for yeah. customers i do it for yeah. my customers as well so yes
1: mm. uh... like you say not every solution fits everybody it's, it's like project management software There's, i was talking to someone yesterday because they were trying to push me down the road, route of buying primavera license i was like i don't need to use primavera i don't i don't want to use primavera i don't need a 700 line program to tell you how we're going to come along and do a 500,000-pound window replacement scheme on a block of apartments. It's 50 lines on a program. We can do that in MS Project. It's got all the critical path software. It's all driven. It all links back into Excel. It will give you like a projected valuation every month, and it will tell you what the cash flow curve looks like. What else do you need? Will it? (laughs) Yeah, of course it will. There you go. That's what we've provided. There's, There's an example. That's the kind of quality of report that we give to our clients. Okay, then. But someone had t- so they'd been on a webinar, because at the moment it seems like the whole world is just on like yeah. webinars after webinars, and they'd been sold down the line if they needed a particular software that was loads and loads of, well, it was thousands, and, and they didn't. <laughs> so it's, it's, I think you're right. It's picking the right solution for your business, for your own business, and for your client. I mean, some people, but literally, I mean, one of the guys that I talk to and, and do some mentoring stuff with, Um, he does a lot of work in the domestic market, extensions. um, He doesn't build anything new out of the ground, but that's kind of like an aspiration. Um, And one of the things that we're working with him is developing like a better pack of information to give to clients where he can give them a programme. So it just says on each week what's going to happen because right now he doesn't do that and he wants to position himself and be in front of his competition. He's like, oh yeah, but I don't want to spend, I've seen some of the programmes that you do and they've got like 20 different things on them. I only need five. I said, well, let's just make a really simple template. So we literally jumped on Zoom for an hour. We built out a template together. And, I was, and he's now got that asset to be able to use for his work. And it you know, didn't cost anything other than the cost of our time. But now he's using that as a positioning tool. So when he prices for a project, he can say to a client, look, this is how I'm going to do it. So the customer's got a better understanding of how things are going to be. And then the client, whose home it is, can actually measure his performance against how he said he was going to do the job
2: yeah and actually if you couple that with something like a, a program i came across a couple a week or so ago called zoho sign and you put it into pdfs you can actually get the customer to sign it off each week as you go along
1: okay that's quite a good idea
2: because yeah. it's it's basically um it's about 200 a uh, a year per user and uh you just get your pdf and you, you, you put it in there and then you put the email addresses of the people that you want to sign things off. And if it's got right. multiple signatures, you just put them in the in a row um, and uh, send it off. And the first person it goes to the first person who needs to sign it. And it's, you know, you put the box where you want the signature yep. and they do it. And then it goes, and as soon as that's signed, it pings it onto the next person that's got to sign it and it does a round Robin and back to you. And, right. You know, So you can have one signature or multiple signatures and uh, it just, Get a that's little report, really cool yeah. a little audit report that says uh you know it was signed by so and so on what date and blah blah
1: blah so it's got like a custody chain of who signed it and yeah. on what, on what time yeah. that's really cool especially in that kind of market because and I'm just I'm kind of like I'm already like now thinking this through so some value for people that are listening there is a way that you could link that to zero um and some of the apps that are in zero like I think it's stripe and Go cardless where actually what you could do, you could link that signature to then link back into Xero to create an invoice that then could be sent out automatically from Xero and there's buttons you can build into that Zero invoice so that it actually takes the person through to pay it.
2: Yeah, that absolutely is. And, and then, uh, you know, on the flip side of that, um, you know, you could make it as, um, so if you are, um, like we utilize the Xero-based HubDoc program quite a bit,
1: Yep.
2: Um, rather than uh, buying extra receipt bank mm-hmm. application. Yep. Um, and one of the things that all of these sort of integrated invoicing systems do on the whole is assume that once it's been put into the process that it's been approved. Mm. But if you can get this piece of software and put your invoice in it, whack it off to the person that needs to sign it off before it set goes yep. and then you could use Zapier to to do that and then whack it into your hub doc yeah you've got visual proof that it's approved for payment
1: yeah exactly and
2: and zero now has the ability via transfer wise upgrade to make payments directly from zero using transfer wise at your bank
1: account so That's really clever
2: so you don't have to faff around about you know like matching new payments because it's yeah. one of those yeah it does
1: it automatically and if you're working, if, you've, if you're a small builder and you've got half a dozen extensions on the go and a couple of refurbs and maybe a new build somewhere, to be able to know that actually all of that is tracked, there's some real, real added value in that for people to actually make their life a lot easier and they're not juggling a lot of, challenges, a lot of different sort of money coming in and chasing people up because they can just see that it's happening automatically. Because you can even get the zero dashboard on, your, on a mobile phone, can't you?
2: Yeah, Absolutely. No, it's just it's just little cool things which you know then they're, they're not brainstormingly difficult or um, complicated, but they just give people peace of mind. Mm. Yeah.
0: I mean you must see yeah.
2: it on Trello when you get an email that says so and so has done whatever it is that they're supposed to do. That's brilliant. Think, fantastic. I haven't got to worry about that. I know it's done. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I get one. So I've got one set up. So I've got I've literally in the last month or so just um, hired a VA company out in the Philippines to do some yeah. of us um, some of our like estimating sort of back office stuff because like we work for block management companies and surveyors and they will send us a specification. Some of them are like three hundred pages and they'll never yeah. type it in Excel. It'll always be typed in Word or as locked as a PDF. So it has to be ripped out of its native software and put into our. We've got like an ISO pricing document. Um, so, they do that and some other tasks and stuff as well. So, we just like share documents through Trello and Asana. And it's brilliant because I can see I get up, I've got up at half three this morning and I've got a notification saying that Janet had done six tasks on, on three separate tenders. So, I knew that once I've got stuff done today, this afternoon, I can sit and go through those pricing documents. Okay, right. Well, I can, well, I can plug all that in straight away. But it saves so much time. It's just, it's efficient. And, you know, time is the one thing that we can't go and buy more of if we can use technology to make things easier to like you said to give you the peace of mind that you know things are happening but to free time up that you're not spending on on that sort of lost in that kind of mental anxiety or thinking i need to go and check so i'll go and log on to the bank or you know they're, they're only two or three minutes of time but the amount of time that small business owners spend doing those kind of activities in a working week you're talking about giving people back Time to go and spend time having dinner with their with their children, or Absolutely. spending time at a sports day, or spending time with their family at the weekend, rather than spending the day in the office. That's really, really valuable. To
2: or me. if you like us,
1: or bit, yeah, uh, we are a bit, a bit odd. Interested.
2: We just use it to build more business. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, but do you know what? I think we both love doing what we do. So, okay. Yeah. So. So you've been around in business about the same amount of time as I have, I think. So one of the things that I always think about is what would I have liked to have known now 20 years ago? So my question to you would be, what what message would you give now if you could talk to your 20-year-old self?
2: I think I would tell my 20-year-old self to um, be, have less self-doubt, to be honest with you, you know, um, that you have hidden talents that seem so easy to you but are actually really quite special and 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 don't think that makes you weird you know it's it's a good thing Mm. um because I think for a long time um my 20 20 plus year old self uh thought them thought that she wasn't really very good at stuff and actually that wasn't the case
1: Oh, so kind of like self-limiting beliefs almost.
2: Yeah, Is definitely.
1: That, yeah. 100%. I can really identify with that. It's something I've struggled with for a long time. And it's only it's only in probably the last three years. For, and really, I've, what really started unpacking it was actually getting some coaching.
2: Yes.
1: Going back actually. Going, and I mean, some of it was really hard. I mean, I've never sort of laughed. I've the extremes of emotion. I've never laughed so much. I've never cried so much. And I've never sweated so much. Um. But that's where your real, real kind of like deep values come from. That's where your real inner why comes out when you do that kind of thing. Definitely. Um, and that was the only way that I ever sort of, I mean, I, I had one where I couldn't speak in public and I used to have oh. to do pre- presentations and, and I just literally, I would be fearful for days.
2: I and, have that well, one, I, I, as, you, as you know, uh, because um, until we had all the pandemic, I was scheduled to speak at Accountex, which if you're an accountant, it's a bit like if you're a footballer playing at Wembley
1: yes, huge.
2: To, to speak at Accountex, and it w- would have been my first speaking engagement as well. Um, and I'm like, Oh, uh, even thinking about it now is really quite frightening. Um, but it was one of those things I was going to force my way through it, you know, and I'd set up people to help me and things like yeah. that. But that, whole public speaking thing is still a challenge unmet by me and um, uh, i'm so in awe of people that manage to do it on a regular basis
1: yeah i think i think the people that do it on a regular basis have now got to the point where they actually enjoy it maybe and and that's the thing i think is it it's almost like a sort of a bell curve would you It is really hard, it's really, really, really hard at the start and it almost seems like it's most unfair because anybody who does it a lot actually talks about a real, real sense of adrenaline, a real sense of excitement Um, and literally only this morning I was watching, uh, just going back over something I watched a few years ago because I like to revisit learnings from the past um, because I think you don't necessarily always get all of the messages to start with Um, and one of the things that Simon Sinek talks about is the fact that the way that he dealt with it was that if you think about the feeling of extreme sort of nervousness and extreme excitement actually the with the way that that manifests itself on your body and your being is exactly the same yeah so if you can just if you can reframe it and say well i'm not nervous i'm just really really excited at the scale of this opportunity and what it could do for me
2: yeah
1: just something as simple as reframing those thoughts is hugely, hugely powerful and really beneficial in overcoming those initial fears. Have you spoken to a coach or anybody about that, Connie?
2: I've got some, I've got, um, I mean, Heather introduced me to some coaching people that mm-hmm. to help me with it. But, right. you know, with the things that happened, uh, uh, first it was delayed and now it's been yeah. cancelled. So I'm back to the point where I've got to kind of get my adrenaline back up to apply again mm-hmm. and see if I get, accepted and then like start again so uh, just just applying just the thought of what i might have to commit to yeah uh, in apply just applying mm. was bad enough so we're going to do that again <laughs> this year cool see how we get on
1: drop a, if you go on to my linkedin there's yeah. a post that i did this morning um where i'm all hot and sweaty i've just got for cross trainer so shut your eyes it's not a pretty sight um but the guy on there who helped me with my first um, public speaking event in Birmingham at the NEC, um, he was massive for me. That was a real game changer. And some of, the, some of the really, really simple takeaway techniques were what saw me through the day. It wasn't the big, expensive, high-level stuff. It was the real simple sort of four or five different things that he gave me as ways to kind of anchor my thoughts and keep control of my, sort of, my body language and my emotions. Uh, just drop him a message. He's a lovely fellow. I'm sure we'll have a, like a virtual chat with you, um, yeah. and you. have a chat because that that you know nobody needs nobody needs to feel like that. You're extremely good at what you do. You're very articulate. You're highly professional. You know you deserve to be successful and flourish in that environment. And doing stuff like that, you know, that's what thought leaders do. That's you know putting yourself out there to share the knowledge that you've done. That's a really really good use of your time and your energy. So anybody that can help you in that sort of stuff. And you know, if you want to talk to me about it another time, um, feel free to drop me a message. I'll happily talk to you about it. But Thank I you. wish you every success with it. I know um, <laughs> there's a guy in one of my mentoring masterminds um, who did um, Iris World, I think it was.
2: Okay.
1: Iris is like an... Eight,
2: that
1: is, yeah, uh, that's it, yeah. 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 And he he sat on there. He did um, an event last... So, yeah, late late 2019... Uh, and the benefits that that's brought to his his practice are absolute just well they are measurable because you can measure anything but they are huge yeah not to be understated so it's um, certainly something that um any any and every encouragement would be to to um jump on and get your form filled in and get it done because it'll be
2: well i've put it out there now so it's kind of a
1: You've Quite
2: got a bit of accountability. I, I do, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so when is
1: when is when is the date for the for for the formulary?
2: I think they they will issue them in sort of November December time. I think.
1: Okay.
2: Um, and you you know you have to explain why it is and what message you think. Um, because the 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 discussion needs to be educational. The people yeah. need to get to take away some sort of learning from it. It's covered by CPD, so Yeah, you know, yeah um and uh hopefully i can think of an- another good topic our uh, last year's topic was for the, you know i was hoping to do this year was putting the feeling back into finance
1: okay well,
2: um i I'm, i don't know maybe that's still relevant or something. i think that's even more
1: i think that's even more relevant
2: yeah so you know i i it's more about i have chats like we're having now with business owners on a daily basis and that's part of the deal that they get with us. Yeah. Um, you know, and they cite it as one of the most important parts of the service mm. that we do. And yeah. I don't think that some of my industry get that. No, they
1: don't.
2: Um, and I wanted to be able to explain how how that enhances our value add and how it could enhance their value add. Um, and you know, it sort of says, why would you share your secrets? But, you know, better business. There are about millions of businesses out there. Um, there's plenty enough to go round. And actually, if more of them survive, um, it's better for everybody.
1: Yeah. And healthy. There's nothing wrong with healthy competition, either. there?
2: No.
1: Nope. So. Well, okay. I'm going to send you an email because I know if I send you an email and I word the subject right, it's going to keep popping up as a task in your diary.
2: It will. Yeah.
1: (laughs) There you go. There's your hardcore accountability. (laughs) Cool. Well, I've really, really enjoyed our chat. Um, If people want to sort of reach out and get in touch with you um, to talk about services and maybe engaging with you, what's the best way, how would you prefer that people to um, contact you? And I'll,
2: (laughs) best ways probably to drop a note to our info, um, email address. Okay. Um, because that's monitored the whole time, you know, yep. um, um, it's, it gets responded to the quickest. Um, so that would be info at LSLltd.co.uk. Cool. Um, and then we just, uh, share, um, phone numbers and stuff like that afterwards. Yep. It's just that, um, you know, yeah, um, it just means that you get a response in, in case we're with a customer or something and the phone doesn't get answered. I really don't like people to have to ring, you know, leave messages and that sort of
1: thing. Yeah. So. No, that's fine. Cool. Well, thank you ever so much for coming on and I wish you every success with your
2: thank you. speaking
1: engagement. I'll, um, I'll be sure to keep an eye out for that because it's, um, it's something that fascinates me. I'm you now, I, I love all the stuff we've talked about. I'm hugely passionate about it. So but so just before we do sign off then, top tech and toys. Are you a Mac person or are you a PC
2: person? No, I'm a PC person. Although, I have to say, I do uh, have the whole Apple suite of phones, uh, AirPods, you know, uh, you name it. Uh, The only thing I haven't gone to is the actual, um, you know, MacBooks for working Mm. on. It it just, the work we do has historically tended to favour a PC environment. Yeah. Um, you know you get the flip side with designers they're always on MacBook yeah exactly
1: right? but it's horses for courses and to be honest yeah. the more, I mean we've got the Dell XPS machines the modern ones and they look just as good as a MacBook you know the screens are just as good the modern processors are just as good as a Mac these days um, unless you're rendering massive graphics and stuff right. they can cope with like even the biggest colossal sort of spreadsheets with pivot tables and stuff in they can still run that so and
2: obviously the Microsoft suite is is kind of More open to their connectivity, Mm. or because it's more open code, there are more things that work integrate with it than the Apple side of things as well. Yeah,
1: yeah. Apple they've got it pretty well locked down, haven't they? So, which is not a bad thing, you know. They've done it for good reason. They've done it for security reasons, but it it doesn't help people when they're trying to build bespoke sort of apps for different different Mm. services and stuff. Cool. Well, thanks ever so much for coming on, and I'll look forward to talking to you again soon.
2: Thank you and thanks for the invite.
0: Thanks for listening to the On the Block podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. To find out more about the work that Richard does, please visit his website, www.stonecontracts.com. And if you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave a rating and review on the platform you use to enjoy his show. Thanks for listening and see you soon on the blog.